0: You're listening to The Jewish Truth Bomb with Lenny Goldberg. Hey, this is Lenny Goldberg, and thank you for joining me today. What kind of confidence are we supposed to have in this war? When you listen to the Israeli military leadership, the ones who are leading us in this battle, how are we supposed to win with these guys? How are we supposed to get out the out to the with them? You hear Yorv Galant the Israeli minister of defense speaking to the press as he vows to wipe the Hamas from the earth. And he says all the usual stuff. And you hear Benny Gantz, the same thing. Israel is going to win. But both him and Gantz, they're such godless men and you'll wonder how God can bring the victory through them. He can't mention God's name once. Mention God's name. What do you care? Can't you say Bezrat Hashem? You know, just for the heck of it. Bizrat Hashem, we will win. Can't you just throw that in to make us feel better? You know, even Bibi does it. Before the elections, to get the religious vote, you'll you'll hear Bibi say, Bizrat Hashem, but not these guys. They can't even say it now. The Arab leaders, the secular ones even, they say it all the time. Allah is on their lips. Constantly. Allah this, Allah that. But the leaders of Israel? Godless, pygmies and dwarfs. And the worst thing is they're willing to put Jewish soldiers, Jewish soldiers in harm's way in order to prevent civilian casualties. You see, they're worried about the Gazan civilians. Civilians? The civilians, yeah. The ones who voted for the Hamas. Let me tell you something about the Hamas. This is not a movement with uniforms and a list of activists that you can get to. It's a grassroots movement. It's what you call ammi. It's Islam. It's an entire population. And that's the farce in saying that the goal is to wipe out the Hamas, as if the Hamas was an official membership movement. There's no such thing. It's Amami. It exists from the bottom up. Do you know that the Jewish prisoners who were paraded in the center of Gaza, they were paraded in front of the applauding multitudes of gleeful Arabs. That's the Arab civilians we're talking about. So we can't expect much from these generals, but you know, you'd know you expect more from the rabbinical leadership, from the spiritual side of things, like telling us how we're supposed to fight the war. What's the Jewish way in fighting this war? Are we supposed to show restraint? Is that the Jewish way? Worrying about collateral damage? That's the Jewish way? And I wanna bring some Jewish sources because Judaism has a whole lot to say about this. How to fight an enemy, there's a verse in Deuteronomy, chapter 20. The first verse in chapter 20, Deuteronomy. Ki alevecha, which means, when you go to war against your enemies. That's the verse. So the sages ask, what is meant against your enemies? What do you mean when you go to war against your enemies? Of course you go to war against your enemies. You don't go to war against your friends. So this is what they answer in Midrash Tanhuma Shoftim. It says like this, go against them, as enemies and know that they are enemies and just as they will show no mercy to you do not show mercy to them. That is the sages are telling us here if they get the upper hand they're not going to show mercy they're going to torture you they're going to rip you open while you're alive so keep that in mind when you go out to war and have no mercy. Now the Sifri adds the following and I quote it you are going against your enemies not against your brothers this isn't Judea Judah against Shimon, or Shimon against Judah. That is, if you fall captive, they will have no mercy on you. It's against your enemies they are waging war, and if you fall into their hands, they will have no mercy. So that's Chazal telling us right off the bat what's happening today. To keep in your mind what they'll do to you if they win. Okay, but you could say, well, that's regarding the enemy soldiers? What about the innocent civilians? Well, there is no such thing as civilians in time of war. Give you something What it says in Chazal that we learn in the Midrash in Egypt, in the plague of the firstborn, the verse says like this, that all the Egyptian firstborn, they were smitten by the plague of the firstborn from the, bo- from the firstborn of Paro to the firstborn in the dungeon. That's the verse. All the firstborn were smitten from the Bechor, the firstborn of Paro, to the firstborn in the dungeon. And the sages ask, again, in Midrash Tanchuma, why did the firstborn in the dungeon, why did they also get punished? What What sin did they commit? They're sitting in Egyptian jail, suffering from the Egyptian regime. So why should they get whacked too? And the sages answer, because every decree that Paro decreed they rejoiced. As it says in Proverbs, chapter 17, La'aid He who is glad about the calamity shall not go unpunished. That's a verse in Proverbs, King Solomon. La'aid That is, with every decree of the Hamas, the Gazans, they're happy. They support the Hamas. They voted for the Hamas. They're rooting for them. That's all it takes for them to be guilty. You'll never have a situation where all the citizens take up arms, all of them, because the average citizen, he's got to go to work, he's got to change diapers, he's got to buy batteries at the drugstore, okay? He's not going to get up and fight, but he's rooting for the guys who are fighting. He's rooting for those Hamas barbarians. That's enough, okay? That's enough, that's all you need. He identifies with them. Let me give you an example that even a Yeshiva Barcha could understand. As a matter of fact, this example every yeshiva bocher will be able to relate to. And it shows the same idea. We know that when somebody finishes a tractate of Talmud, you have a siyum. You celebrate that you finished the tractate, right? And you invite people over. And the halacha is that, let's say there's a fast that day, the fast before Passover, the firstborn Jews, firstborn of every family has to fast. But if you attend a seum, somebody who finished a tractate of Talmud, you could go to that seum, and you're dismissed from fasting, even though you didn't finish the tractate. You didn't finish it. You didn't do anything. All you did is have a piece of cake. When he celebrated his seum, you participated in it. You rooted for him. You rejoiced in it, and you're dismissed from the fast just like him, because you're happy for him. You share with him in his joy, so you're partner to it. So you're putter from fasting. You get the analogy? The Shiva Bacha's got to love this one. You don't have to take up arms to be guilty. You don't have to finish the siyum personally, and you still get the credit for it. Get it? You have that in the Kedusha way and in a toma way. Okay, okay, so that's the regular civilians, but what about the, the little babies, the Gazan babies? You might be worried about them. Well, listen to what King David says in Psalms 137 and get ready for this one because you're not gonna like it. So if you want, you can hold your ears, put your fingers in your ears. Can you, you might not be able to handle this. It says like this in Psalms 137, David, in this Psalm, he wants revenge against the Babylonians for tormenting the Jewish people. And this is what he says. "O daughter of ba- of Babylon, doomed to destruction, Praiseworthy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Praiseworthy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. You hear that one? That's King David unfiltered. And I'll say it again. And by the way, this is what we say before benching. You know, after we eat a meal, we have to do berkat amazon. We give the blessings over the uh, bread that we just ate. And if you look at a lot of uh, the... uh, Shirion, there, you'll see this particular Psalm. After you uh, ate, this is going to give you a better appetite. You know, it doesn't, doesn't bother your appetite at all. King David says like this, I'll say it again. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction. Praiseworthy is the one who repays according to what you have done to us. Praiseworthy is the one who seizes your babies and dashes them against the rocks. Check that out in Psalms 137. What are we saying here? You did that to our babies? We're going to do it to yours. David What an extremist. So, you know, if you have problems with this, if you have mercy on the Gazan babies, that's your problem. It's not David a problem. It's not Judaism's problem. You have issues with this. You have to work on yourself because you have to bend your neck and accept the yoke of heaven, even things that might not seem tasteful to you because you're such a nice person a nice guy, you think the Torah always has to be nice. But that's your mistake. The Torah is not always nice. So you have to accept the parts of Judaism that will, that go against your grain. That's your Avodah. If you can't deal with this, that's your problem. That's your Avodah. You gotta work on yourself. I want to talk now about the American backing of Israel and all this. And it seems so nice and Biden is saying just nice words and he's talking about his meetings with Golda Meir and You get that warm and fuzzy feeling of the beautiful alliance between Israel and America and America's with us, don't worry about it. Well, don't be fooled by it because you have to know what happened before this. As soon as Joe Biden took power in January, 2021, do you know what he did? He resumed the massive subsidies to the Arabs that Donald Trump had canceled. Biden ignored the warnings of his own State Department and he sent money to the Hamas, what he called human, humanitarian aid. He brought back the pay for sleigh. He's fueling this Arab terror. Biden and America are fueling the Arab terror. Forget about the six billion dollars that he's supposed to give to Iran. Forget about that. What Biden did was that he totally rejuvenated the Iranian economy that Trump had on its knees. Because the Iranian economy was crippled under Trump. Donald Trump put sanctions on their oil sales. What did Biden do? He comes into power. The first thing he does, he changed all that. He canceled the sanctions against Iran. And they've received over $50 billion. That's flowed to them since Biden took over. He rebuilt the Iranian war machine and the Hamas war machine. So... When Biden comes and makes these speeches, words are cheap. If you really wanted to help, he would store the sanctions that Trump put in. And you know, this is classic Esau. America is Esau, right? USA, Esav, Esau, like the pig. He comes at you like he's kosher. He shows you his cloven hooves, that is a sign of kashrut. He's saying, look, look, I'm kosher. That's Biden. Look, I'm kosher, saying all these nice things while he's stumping the Arabs with billions. And that's what's made the Hamas and the Hezbollah much more formidable than they ever were. Finally, talking about anti-Semitism, I know people outside of Israel are feeling much safer than the Jews inside Israel, for sure. People are dying to get out of Israel, trying to get flights save themselves. But isn't it easy to see how things can be turned around? Because what's going to happen? Well, the memory of the slaughter of the Jews, it's slowly going to fade. And the new thing they're going to show on the screens are the ruins of Gaza, the poor Palestinians in Gaza, And the more that Israel bombs Gaza, the more that that will be the narrative, okay? And then we become the aggressors all over again and not the victim anymore. I mean, already you have the Arabs and the wacko leftists on campus protesting protesting around America. Eventually, there's going to be a terror attack by Arabs on American soil. There's plenty of Hamas there too. Don't you think the average American will start to resent Israel, even if he likes Israel? He doesn't need the grief of these Hamas demonstrations and maybe oil shortages. The, even the average American who loves Israel doesn't want to see his life disrupted, and it's going to get disrupted as Israel makes more and more aggression on Gaza and bombs them more and more, and it's going to be going on for a while. Because the more Israel retaliates, the more they become the bad guys. And the American Jew is going to start to squirm. He'll start to be afraid to root for Israel anymore because he'll see that it's causing anti-Semitism when Israel wins. Rabbi Merikahana wrote a book called Time to Go Home. It's a really underrated book. Great book. All about making Aliyah. He wrote it a long time ago. And basically what it does is speaks of how it can happen in America from a social point of view, from politically, economically, from all different angles, how it can happen in America, despite it being a wonderful exile while it lasted. And he explains in the book the psychology of it, how the Holocaust... How that caused a temporary embargo on Jew hatred. See, the Holocaust was so horrible that in America, of course, after something like that, it was hard to be an anti-Semite. I mean, the stench of Auschwitz was still in everyone's nostrils. And so, you know, Jew haters had slim pickings. But what changed? Well, time passed. That that's enough to make the memory fade and the stench weaken, but what, what happened even more was that the Jews suddenly became winners. You had Israel. They're winning wars. They're not the underdog anymore. You see? They're the aggressors now. And so the Jew hatred can come back in style again. Well, you have the same pattern here. When we were slaughtered last Shabbat, yeah, it's hard to be a Jew hater. But then we go on the offense. We start to win a little bit. And there the Jew hatred finds Karka. There it gets more traction. And it's going to get more and more traction as Israel bombs Gaza more and more. And so can't you see the Jew in America getting really uncomfortable? And so, you know, if you look back in the days in Europe and the days of the Holocaust and what was going on in Israel and in Europe... Well, you had the the massacres of Jews in 1936, 1938. You had Tarpat. You had terrible massacres. And I'm sure that the Jews in Europe were thinking, you know, it's really dangerous over there in Israel. We're going to stay here in Europe. And the Jews in Israel, they're the ones in danger, right? Like it seems now. But what happened? What happened in the end? Well, we know what happened. Europe became the hellhole it was. And Israel became the haven. And so things are going to turn around quickly. And do you really think that Hashem is going to make Israel less safe than the exile? Of course not. That's it for me. I'd like you to listen to my Bible classes. You can Google Lenny Goldberg's Bible classes. And there you'll really get a picture of what a real Jewish soldier is. It's not Yov Galant. It's not Benny Gantz. It's David and Yoav and Avner and Saul. They didn't make a cheshbon what the Goyim are going to say. They invoked Hashem's name in everything they did. And that's why they succeeded. How small these Jewish leaders are, we have to hope that somehow they can bring us to victory. How? I don't know how. Why would Hashem through them bring victory? We can only hope that he did it through Ahab sometimes. You know, King Ahab was a wicked king. But he brought victory to the Jewish people because sometimes the chilul Hashem is so great that Hashem brings victory, lola manenu, not for our sake, but for His sake. So we have to pray that Hashem bring the nekama for your sake, bring the nekama for your servants' sakes, whose blood has been spilled. shafuch, lola manenu, avadecha shafuch, the spilled blood that that will see nekama, revenge. We don't deserve it, but the goyim deserve it. Do it for that, even if we don't merit it. And hopefully we'll see that nikama. Hashem gave us the, the means to do it. It's just our decision to do it. Bizarat Hashem. It'll happen. See you next week.